0: When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was from free speech activist Mario Savio's famous put your bodies upon the gears call to action at UC Berkeley. I'm Jason Franklin, senior advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, December 14th. Moving from 1964 to today, I've got more like five minutes on democracy with quick updates on the January 6th investigation, Senate legislating, and redistricting updates in an otherwise relatively quiet week. We're in the midst of that year-end slog as both political and movement leaders and frankly all of us are working to finish our business before the holidays. Sometimes that can make for a packed week of major headlines with negotiating breakthroughs before critical deadlines And other times it makes for a quiet week, which could indicate a lot of critical work behind the scenes that could be a prelude to headlines next week, or critical work that might still lead to missed deadlines and no major action until the new year. This week we saw a quiet one, leaves us waiting to see if the final week before Christmas will be a banner week or not for American democracy. But we did see a couple things. On the January 6th insurrection front, the House Special Committee recommended charging Mark Meadows with contempt of Congress for stonewalling its investigation. There's been a lot of this talk this week about text messages and phone calls from Trump's son, Fox News personalities, and close political allies of Trump who are calling on Meadows to get Trump to stop the attack on the Capitol that day. As well as a 38-page PowerPoint that lays out pretty brazen plan to overthrow democracy which landed in the inbox of the chief of staff on January 5th in which he turned over to the special investigation before he stopped cooperating with them. Now Meadows claims he merely received this email in his inbox and did nothing with, with it but Phil Waldron, a retired colonel who helped produce the PowerPoint, has told the Washington Post that he spoke with Meadows eight to ten times and briefed numerous members of Congress with that PowerPoint before January 6th. While the investigation continues to grind forward another sign of how anti-democracy sentiment is being normalized emerged with new fec disclosures that shows that after placing a pause on donations to the 147 republicans who had objected to certifying the 2020 elections major corporations have ramped back up their giving every major corporation paused their giving to these republicans after january 6th leaving january donations to them at zero and in February, at only 28,000, but they hit 2.3 million to the same set of objectors in September and October. In the Senate, Biden, Schumer, and others have been continuing to lobby Senator Joe Manchin to pass the climate and social spending bill before Christmas, but so far, he's not gotten on board with that timeline. And on a related track, lead sponsors of the bill are working to get final sign-off from the Senate parliamentarian on more than 20 elements in the bill, including immigration reform and certain drug pricing provisions, to ensure that they comply with the upper chamber's budget rules. If the Senate parliamentarian declines or if she provides alternate advice, the Senate could override her guidance. But so far, Schumer's been unwilling to do that with major previous bills. It could lead to some massive final minute revisions if necessary. It is, though, Democrats are showing some other signs of steady progress. Several Senate committees have released draft text of key sections of the Senate bill, and corresponding CBO scores are getting released on the costs of major elements of the bill. But there's no complete legislative text yet, and they still much must reach a compromise on the SALT tax. Another final note that's important to remember is that we've got a deadline. December 31st, we must pass this bill if Democrats want to preserve their expanded child tax credit, one of the major victories from earlier in the year, which has been delivering monthly checks to most families with children. This has been a critical part of the social safety net bill from the start, but months of negotiations are forcing Democrats right up against the December 31st deadline. And they could either, that could be a forcing mechanism to get this passed before the end of the year, or could end up blotting out one of their biggest political wins. In other actions in the Senate that we've been following, senators are actually voting today to wind down debate on the annual defense bill, which cleared the House last week. If the procedural hurdle is cleared, it should pass before the week is out. And frankly, if senators are all on the same page, it could even go more quickly, although that seems unlikely at the moment. The Senate is also set to address raising the country's borrowing limit. So mentioned before, Congress passed a temporary loophole to allow Democrats to increase the debt limit on their own, which has made things go surprisingly smooth this week, and the Senate's predicted to have vote for final passage of the new debt ceiling today. Now, these moves clear the way for action on the climate spending bill if negotiations can be completed, and hypothetically also for the Freedom to Vote Act as well. But frustratingly, there have been Frankly, no murmurs of any new action on freedom to vote this week. Calls are going out for more pressure to be brought on the White House, and a hunger strike by Arizona students is moving from Arizona to D.C. this week. But despite the critical action, the need for action, it still remains stalled. Finally, in electoral and redistricting developments, more of the same, we're seeing more announcements of candidacies as we're getting closer and closer to filing deadlines. Pennsylvania Republican primary I mentioned is now up to 10 candidates and it's still growing. We're also seeing more court decisions slowly coming out on the maps that are facing challenges around the country. Uh, Big one, North Carolina State Supreme Court unilaterally halted the candidate filing period last week. They also pushed back primaries even for statewide races like the open Senate seat from March 8th to May 17th. And they told the trial court to consider the merits of the case and rule by January 11th on whether or not Republicans had illegally manipulated the state's political boundaries when they drew a map that could resign Democrats to just three out of the state's 14 congressional districts. So, pushing things farther back, slowing things down, but we are seeing decisions beginning to come down. We'll see more of these in the new year. But that's all for this week's quick review of democracy developments. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that next week we'll have some major breakthroughs and progress to celebrate before we break for a year end vacation. I hope you'll join me next Tuesday. And thanks again for listening to 10 Minutes on Democracy.